We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. And tonight we're here to carry on the Draft Profile Series, a series where we'll be profiling several draft prospects who we believe could be or should be on the Giants' radar at various points of the draft. Tonight, we're going to break down a player, a linebacker from Notre Dame who I have practiced his pronunciation of his name multiple times in order to not embarrass myself, and that is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Did I get that right, Nick? Yes, you did. Bang! Nailed that thing. We are talking about a prospect who flashed onto the scene, a former safety by most prospect rankings out of high school, though I did note that 24-7 listed him as an athlete, so they kind of foresaw what might come after he arrived at Notre Dame. This is somebody who converted, in a sense, to linebacker at Notre Dame, or that's the position he ultimately emerged at, and became the Buckus Award winner for the best linebacker in the nation in 2020, on arguably one of the best defenses in the nation in 2020. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll see that over the last six games of 2019, he started to have that breakout and it carried over into 2020. Why? It's not a coincidence. It's when he moved into a different role on that Notre Dame defense. And that's one thing I'm going to really want to talk to you about because he moved into a rover role on that defense. But before we get there, he's six foot one, 215 pounds, has drawn some comparisons to Darius Leonard as far as his build goes. Because remember, Darius Leonard, a guy who the Colts selected in the 2018 draft in the second round with one of those picks. It actually wasn't with one of those picks they acquired by moving back with the Jets to get Nelson. But it was essentially one of those picks. So because they had those extra picks from the Jets, they were able to take a risk on someone like Leonard, who most people thought was a day three guy. They took him early round two, and he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Again, slight build, 6'1", 216, but somebody who 
obviously has the production. So the first question I want to ask you when it comes to KOR, and we're going to call him KOR maybe, or should we just call him Owusu Koromo? I feel like at, the more I pronounce this name, the better chance I have of getting it wrong and embarrassing myself. You do whatever you want, Dan. But I'll do whatever I want. We'll go Owusu Koromo for now. Talk to me about some of the strengths that you saw when watching his tape. First off, I kind of like that comparison to... Darius Leonard. I've also heard him be compared to Telvin Smith. I think he's a little bit longer than that, but just an undersized Will type of linebacker. Darius Leonard also went to South Carolina State, so it's a very, very small school. This guy goes to Notre Dame, so that's why he's getting top 10 buzz, and also because he's just a phenomenal athlete. Incredible explosive traits. This is the type of guy who lined up in the box. He's flashed edge rushing ability and actually looked pretty damn good bursty had bend used his hands relatively well in doing so executed many different roles that rover position also has you be an overhang defender covering slot receivers sometimes and this dude's out there jamming him on the line of scrimmage flipping his hips in such a fluid manner and carrying them up the field in and out of breaks you're talking this Owusu koromoa is the modern second-level defender that Dan and I have talked about for over a year now. Hmm. This is the type of guy that you can bring in, and I think he would be excellent in Patrick Graham's system, but you can bring him in, and he can line up in the box, and he can defend the run. Ideally, you don't want 315-pound offensive guards getting their hands on him and driving him back or something like that, but this guy's ability to process the game usually puts him into an advantageous position, and he's very, very slippery, and he actually has pretty strong hands. You don't want him to get engulfed by those linemen, but he's done a solid job protecting himself, keeping his chest clean, and avoiding those blocks at the second level in college because of his processing and how he reads blocks and reads his keys and executes his assignments. And you compound that with his explosive traits. He's an incredible athlete. I really think this could be a really, really exciting second-level defender in the NFL. I mean, I know a lot of people compare him, or loosely, I should say, compare him to Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons was a freak because he was six foot, you know, five and incredibly long. Usukormo is a little bit smaller than that, but when you look at the dude's arm length, the dude's tackle radius is insane. I think the upside for Usukormoa is very, very high, and I am very intrigued by him. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone who's listened to this podcast that both Nick and I are going to be extremely intrigued by a prospect like this. And more specifically, myself, I've talked long about how I believe second-level players inside off-ball linebacker, second-level players, are extremely underrated during the NFL, um, in the NFL roster building process. For whatever reason, these prospects are viewed as guys you can't take in the top 10. These prospects are viewed as guys that you don't want to take too early. It's like Darius Leonard, when the Colts took him, everyone said that was the worst pick in the entire draft. Literally, it was consistently graded out. How could you take a guy like this, an off-ball linebacker? He doesn't even rush the passer. He doesn't even line up with his hand in the dirt. And you're going to take a guy like that who's 215 pounds at the top of round two. And ultimately, he won defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and he was one of the best picks in that entire draft from a value standpoint. And I've long believed that these second-level players, the ones Nick just referred to, these highly athletic, modern-day type off-ball linebackers, have a lot more value for your defense than a lot of positions right now in the NFL, also in the sense that they're so rare and unique and hard to find. I think that's probably the key for me, the scarcity of it all, a prospect like this. And we really liked Akeem Davis Gaither last year with the Bengals. We were hoping he, he the Bengals selected him at the top of day three. The Giants didn't really have an opportunity there, and they took Holmes a few picks later. But we were kind of hoping he would fall to the Giants. Um, and this is a guy who, in in, in uh, Owusu Koromoa, who's just on a completely different level than any of these types of prospects recently. Again, Buckus Award winner, somebody who just absolutely dominated on one of the best defenses. I think as far as these three prospects goes, I've watched probably less than you on all three of them, Nick, but I did 
to take my time to watch what I can and what I had available to me with all these guys. I would say this guy flashed the most on tape by far to me. My, I, I wrote this in the notes. I said, this is just my opinion from watching him. Just watching a little bit, not only on what we've studied since the season's end, but also during the season because we've watched a lot of Notre Dame. Notre Dame's always on. And he's just one of the most explosive athletes I've seen. <laughs> There's snaps of him just firing to the ball, just so quick. You're just like, oh my God, this is a guy who Patrick Graham can put in his defense and he's going to make so many big plays, splash plays from just dropping, just looking like he's dropping coverage and attacking towards downhill. And I feel like he's a guy who's going to dominate the broad jump, the vertical jump, the 10-yard split. And after he dominates all that testing, he's going to move into this 11, top 11 range. What we say about Jabril Peppers is he just moves differently than all the other Giants defenders. Yes. That's what Owusu Koromoa did at Notre Dame. And I think that's going to translate to the NFL. Look, we talk about it on the podcast. The NFL is a game of mismatches, right? And if you have a linebacker like Owusu Koromoa, who is not terrible against the run, out there, you can stay in a base type of defense when the offense goes to more wide sub packages, wants to spread you out a little bit, like teams like the Arizona Cardinals, whatnot. They want to spread you out a little bit, take advantage of the fact that you're a little bit heavier. Well, when you have an athlete like Owusu Koromoa, the fact that he can play a run, that means you can do so many different things, so many different coverages, and you're not going to be a liability against the run. Because this guy can effectively play the run, and he has the athletic ability to play the pass. It gives your defense a lot of flexibility, and you can do a lot of different things with your base defense. And that can really allow you to excel against some of the more exotic things the offense wants to kind of throw at you. Because you are a dual threat. You can play the run, you can cover the pass. And that's what Rusu Koromoa can do, man. I mean, you nailed it with the explosive stuff, dude. Dude is incredibly explosive. His closing speed is just that's that's the trait. When you're gonna like when you look at these prospects, if they're gonna potentially be drafted in the top ten, in the top fifteen, top five, whatever it may be, you want someone who has a trait that stands out where he's the best at that thing. As far as closing speed goes for these off ball linebackers, these second level defenders, I I haven't seen them all, but I don't see how anyone could look faster from a closing speed standpoint than this kid does. You could just tell he was a safety, too. It's crazy. You could tell he was a safety. I mean, his hips alone, dude. He could flip and turn and stay low and not pop up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Up like a lot of people end up doing. He has excellent technique in that area as well. And then you watch him rush the passer, Dan. And it's like, holy crap, this guy has an explosive first three steps. And he could dip at his waist and bend through his ankles, bend through contact. His hands can use a little bit of refinement like I alluded to earlier. 
he can have a huge impact on rushing the passer just as a linebacker as well especially with some of those exotic blitzes and stunts and things that Patrick Graham wants to do I was just going to ask you about that I wanted to get into that is there a hidden little gem part of his game when it comes to rushing the passer specific to what what Graham does within his system and how Graham has had success rushing the passer but before we do that I want to take a quick break to your word from our sponsors like any good team Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game. But the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. We want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all the professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code ROTOVIZ. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code ROTOVIZ, all one word, to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. All right, Nick, so in 2020, we saw Patrick Graham design different ways to get pressure on the quarterback from different angles, with exotic blitzes, and oftentimes from second-level defenders, not only the guys who are lined up with their hand in the dirt. Do you feel like if the Giants ger- drafted Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, they could find a way to immediately impact him. Because remember, we, at the end of that season, we saw guys like Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, 
guys like that on the edge, guys who are lighter in that sense, and obviously that he's even lighter. Owusu Koromo, he's he's a bit lighter than even them. But do you feel like he's a guy who can impact the 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 quarterback as a pass rusher early on in this specific system? Absolutely, I think. Patrick Graham can line him up as that overhang apex defender on slots or big slots if it's going to be the tight end or whatever if the tight end is split out a little bit and you could stack the safety about 10 yards off of him and then you just blitz him like we saw several times with Darnay Holmes and a little bit with Xavier McKinney towards the end of the year you could do the A-gap blitz which we've seen with Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez and I think with this type of athlete who is far more athletic than Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder I think it could really, really stress the protections of the offensive line. You could bring them off the edge. You could blitz them in the center of the line. You could just do so many different things from a blitzing standpoint. And the thing that's going to put offenses in a bind is the fact that he can show blitz and then he could back off into coverage because guess what? He can drop into coverage. He can do zone coverage. He can play man coverage. So if he sells a blitz, you have to be like, oh, crap, that guy might be coming because he's a damn effective blitzer. So we're going to have to account for him no matter what. And we're going to have to really, really slide our protection that way or do whatever you have to do. And if he doesn't, it's not like you can ju- – if he says he fakes the blitz and then he drops into coverage, it's not like, oh, well, now I have this idiot in coverage. I'm just going to pick on him all the time, which we've seen Devontae Downs, David Mayo, hmm. because someone like Owusu Koromoa can cover as well. Yeah, he actually graded out really well in overall coverage and man coverage, according to Pro Football Focus, which is extremely important when you're going to draft a guy like this. If you're going to draft a guy like this this high, you need him to be good at those type of things. You can't have him be a liability at all in coverage if he's a second-level defender because of what Nick said. Really the advantage here, how often have we talked about how great it would be to have a uh, George Kittle or Rob Gronkowski or prime Rob Gronkowski in this offense because they're two-way players. When you have them on the field, it's really hard for a defense to predict pass or run because those guys are not a liability in either regard. They're dominant in both regards. And if he can be somebody who's not a liability in the run game, but also someone who you can have on the field to really impact your passing game, both in coverage and as a pass rusher, it just goes to show why I'm so excited and Nick is so excited about a prospect like this at this specific position. You look at what Fred Warner has done for the 49ers defense, what Darius Leonard has done for the Colts defense. There's examples of these modern linebackers making big impacts on the defense overall and having that impact that changed. This year, when the Colts were down Darius Leonard for a couple games, that defense looked completely different. It really did. And I have a feeling that if the 49ers lost Fred Warner at any point, that defense would also look completely different. And I know Fred Warner has kind of evolved his role in the NFL, at least from what he played at BYU, but it's similar from the trade standpoint to this type of prospect in Owusu Karamoa. So I'm really intrigued by him, Nick. I wanted to go over one thing with you that that I also had a question about uh, as it translates to the next level. I feel like he's a short tackler, maybe not the best run defender, but I thought it was interesting that once he took over that Rover role in 2019, and this is a quote from Pro Football Focus, six of his seven highest graded games came in those final six games when he moved over to that Rover role in 2019, and that carried over into 2020. He didn't give up a single explosive play over that span, according to Pro Football Focus, and he allowed just 36 yards in 114 snaps in coverage. My question for you is that Rover role, it feels like oftentimes the player is lined up in the slot over the slot and the Giants have a lot of bodies who I think can kind of line up in that role we always thought Xavier McKinney might line up in that we didn't see it as much he didn't have the full season Darnay Holmes Jabril Peppers so is there a fit for him I'll ask you this 
if the Giants drafted a player like this, would he just be a role player in year one until they kind of figure out what they want to do with all these different guys at in similar roles? Or is there really a spot for, is there a potential to get guy, a kid to get Owusu-Koromoa, Peppers, Darnay Holmes, and McKinney all on, and Logan Ryan, by the way, who I forgot to mention, who also kind of played that role at times, all on the field at once for a majority of the snaps. I think the issue with that would be how effective can he be against the run. He was able to avoid those blocks in college Mm -hmm. because he was a superior athlete and he processed at a very high level. I don't think the processing is going to necessarily just vanish, but obviously the athletic ability margins are going to be a little bit slimmer in the NFL because everyone's a better athlete. So it's going to be can he effectively execute his ability to play in even nickel defense with two linebackers and if they stayed in some type of base where they ran a lot of different 3-4 I think Wusu Koromoa, if you're going to have McKinney, Ryan, and all those other guys you named on the field, Wusu Koromoa might be that flat edge defender. And do you really want to select that at 11? That's where the bugaboo kind of comes in. I think he'd be an excellent fit with Patrick Graham. I think Patrick Graham would get the most out of this type of player, and I think he would be an excellent addition to the Giants. But is that the type of player they want to bring in? I think the whole tweener label, that's a little bit archaic. Because defenses, as we saw with the Giants, they put safeties into different spots. They put linebackers into different spots. Edge rushers are different. And it's much more fluid than it once was. Like, you're a linebacker and you're Mm -hmm. a safety. It's not really necessarily like that, at least not for the better football minds, in my opinion. So I think you could find a spot where all those players coexist on the defense. But is that a luxury? Now, I think you can argue that it is because the Giants do have other pressing needs. But I do feel like if the Giants went in this direction, they would upgrade their defense and you could literally plug and play this guy in so many different roles and he can execute them at a very good uh, rate. Yeah, because I guess that would be my biggest question because I'm really excited about him as a prospect. I know you are too. And I think though, ultimately, you look at kind of just like going back to what the Cardinals did in this last draft I'm kind of thinking about. And obviously Isaiah Simmons was a player we were both really high on. Mm -hmm. And ultimately looking back, the Cardinals, if they could do it over, probably would have taken, and I know, well, they definitely would have taken Tristan Worse over Isaiah Simmons. And ultimately, regardless of what the future holds for either of those two players, Tristan Worse would have been on the field for every single snap for the Cardinals this season. Isaiah Simmons was not. And that would be my biggest concern with drafting a player like Owosu at 11. The biggest concern for me would be, is he on the field every snap? Because if not, I think there are plenty of prospects in this draft who can be on the field every single snap for the Giants in 2021 and making a big impact. Yeah, and that's where it's going to come down to. He has the three down linebacker traits, and I think he, say on first down, run predominant down, you can put him as that will linebacker. But alongside Blake, alongside Blake yeah. Martinez, and then you would have the two edge rushers on the line of scrimmage. But once you got to more passing situations, you could put him as that apex. I think he can execute that well. But then Darnay Holmes comes off the field, or Xavier McKinney comes off the right. field. But you also could put him on the edge where Carter Coughlin was playing. And I know Carter Coughlin needs sand in his ass, but so does Owusu <laughs> Koromoa. But I think the explosive traits and just the the overall player of Owusu Koromoa is far better than what. Carter Coughlin is, obviously. But with that said, I I do think the Giants would probably go in another direction. And you also have Micah Parsons, who's going to be in this draft, who we didn't see at all in 2020, but he's an absolute stud who would be an absolute plug-and-play right next to Blake Martinez, who can do different things, but he's much more of a traditional linebacker than someone Also someone who was—oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but also when it comes to Parsons, who— 
ultimately we haven't studied yet, but I feel like we'll be higher on our board. He's, he's also a former edge rusher. He came into Penn State as an edge guy. He has edge traits. Mm-hmm. So he could be even better potentially in that apex role, to be honest. Well, yeah, as the edge rusher. I don't know. Does he cover out uh, on the overhang? Oh, on the overhang, I mean, actually, that would be a totally different role. But he could be even better in kind of what we saw, I mean, Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown types do toward the end. And of he's the much more built up than yes. Owusu Koromo. Which ultimately I think is more important for right now what the Giants ha- have on their roster because they already have a lot of guys who can play the other role, and that would be McKinney, Ryan, the guys we've talked about, even Holmes to an extent. And then, of course, nobody knows. But, I mean, we have he hasn't fully played in this role recently but Jarrell Peppers as well so it seems like when it comes to Owusu there are a lot of guys on the roster who kind of already can play similar role to what he can play but I don't think that should limit him and that should mean okay you can't trust this guy because this is a guy who by the way had 11 tackles for loss in 12 games this season for Notre Dame obviously he's not a slouch entirely against the run and as you guys can hear we've got a train rolling through the station right now um, where we're recording this, we apologize for that. This one had there was a train that rolled through like less than nine minutes ago, so we, were, we thought we were through the woods on that one, out of the woods on that one, but apparently not. I apologize for that. But again, there's a guy who did 60 tackles and 11 tackles for loss in 12 games last year, so he's not a slouch against the run. I'm still very excited about him. I think he has elite traits that excite me. He's that next level, that new version of linebacker that I've wanted for this defense for so freaking long. And so I'll ask you this, Nick. Again. Our third guy that we've gone through, and none of them have been top recruits. This guy was 83rd safety by scout.com, 31st best athlete 24-7, 28th best safety ESPN. He was a little ranked higher there. 40th best rivals. Not a top prospect by any means, just like the rest of the guys we've studied so far. But now, as they move forward to the draft, although they weren't top prospects coming out of high school, they're certainly top prospects now. So I'll ask you this. Is he someone you think the Giants can realistically target at 11 and someone you'd feel comfortable drafting at 11? Similar to the other two guys I just went over, I would like the Giants to trade back to get a player like this to accrue more, to just get more assets and I love this player. I think I've expressed this enough, but I do feel like the Giants may need a bit of a different type of player to maximize the roster right now, whether that be Jalen Waddell, whether that be Kyle Pitts, whether that be one of the top cornerbacks in Sertan or Farley. Maybe you go Micah in that Parsons. Direction. Maybe a Micah, I mean, Micah Parsons would be over. I haven't studied his film intently, but everything I've seen from oh, Micah yeah. Parsons, like <sighs> he is a much more polished and ready prospect than someone like Owusu Kormo, who I do love. So I wouldn't be disappointed with it, but I don't know if it would be the smartest way to to allocate your first-round pick, which is a top-11 pick, a pick that's probably going to be sought after by teams in the 20s mm-hmm. and other types of uh, – in other types of trade down situations. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think when you look at the history of the draft, both recent history and long term history, off ball linebackers like him don't get often drafted that high. So I think you can seriously make the risk, make the gamble, if you really liked him, to trade back and you'd still be able to land him in the late teens, maybe even early 20s, honestly. Off-ball linebackers just simply don't go that high. Now, I think Micah Parsons will buck that trend. I think Parsons will probably go either top 10 or at worst top 15. He's a completely different prospect in my mind. He's 245 pounds, like Nick said, way more polished player, dominated. People thought he was like the best defensive player in football in 2019. And so with all that said, I think there's a chance he can kind of buck that trend a little bit. Um, and obviously, we've seen Luke Keekley go high and, and things of that nature. And, and I know that the that obviously they went to the same school. Yes. But I'm not making this comparison with Saquon Barkley and Micah Parsons, but I feel like Micah Parsons would be a Saquon Barkley to the defense. 
where he's just the player that you want, does all the right things, a true leader, a yeah. face of the franchise, and someone you can kind of plug in, and he can be an absolute just like 10-year player who excels and makes Pro Bowls at uh, for your defense. Yeah, and we haven't fully dove into anything with Parsons yet, and we will, but I feel like when it comes down to it, ultimately we'll probably be in lockstep that we probably will consider Parsons if he's there at 11, no trade back, but... Owusu is a player who we'd be interested in if the Giants trade back and probably not at 11. Yeah, no, I would absolutely be interested if they did end up trading back and they could take more kicks at the can can at some of the positions that they definitely need to upgrade. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, that is all we have on Owusu Karmoa for now. We will revisit it soon, but we're going to wrap up this podcast with some questions from the listeners. This one is actually from an iTunes review, which I was excited to get because like I said, you want to get a question through, you can reply to my thread or that I put out on Twitter and that Nick retweets, thankfully, mm-hmm. or you can just drop us a question in the rating and review on iTunes. Everyone, hopefully, if you're fans of the pod, you do us a favor, you go on iTunes, you give us a rating and review. We love you for it. And this one is from question mark, 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 smiley face. That's seven question marks and a smiley face. He says, what do you guys think about the Giants trying to work out something with Denver to trade for Von Miller? I've seen rumors that he may not be in their plans moving forward. Von Miller's price tag is going to be a little bit too much for what the Giants can absorb, so I don't really think that's realistic. I would love to get an edge rusher like Von Miller, but at this point, we don't even know how great he is. He's definitely getting older right now. I don't have his age off the top of my head. I would imagine it's probably like 32 or 33. I mean, what was he, the second overall pick back in 2011? I think it was that draft. What a draft that was, by the way. He's 31 years old right now. He's going to be 32 in the season, and he's coming off of an injury, and uh, it's going to be pretty pricey. Yeah, and that doesn't even touch on any of the off-field stuff that's been rumored around Von Miller right now. There's some some uh, questionable things going on with some off-field issues. I'm not going to get into any of them because they're all none have been reported as fact, and I have no interest in getting into any of them, but those off-field issues are definitely hanging right now for a player like Von Miller, so I would say that's a definite no for the Giants. Dom Cagliano asks, you guys answered my question last podcast. Can the Giants rely on a player in the draft being their number one option in the passing game? But my question is, can Chase Smith or Waddle be considered the number one? And can they rely on any of those guys being there at 11? I think you could rely on possibly Waddle being there at 11. I'm not overly confident about Smith and Chase. And I think we talked about it several podcasts ago about how the 2017 wide receiver class had three wide receivers in the top 10 and ever since then wide receivers have been falling to the teens and none of those picks really ended up panning out like Mike Williams is a solid receiver Corey Davis is okay but it didn't end up panning out for Tennessee when they selected him at five I do think in this draft you're going to see Smith and Chase probably go in the top 10 Waddle I'm not 100% sure Uh, if Smith and Chase end up going in the in the top six say which isn't out of the realm of possibility but receivers do end up tending to slide a little bit then Waddle can end up going to Philadelphia who I believe pick seven but if they pick six whatever but I think Waddle could be there at 11 and I do think he could be the number one wide receiver on the New York Giants with Sterling Shepard being that number two in the slot and Evan Ingram being 
the Evan Ingram that we all have grown to love, the somewhat unreliable yet explosive weapon that hasn't necessarily been utilized to his fullest potential, but a lot of that is his own fault because he drops damn football way too often. But I do believe all three of those guys could end up being the number one for the Giants and would be the number one if the Giants go in that direction. And Kyle Pitts, you can throw him in there too. Yeah, throw in Kyle Pitts as well. I'm a big fan of Kyle Pitts. I really like all four of these prospects from Chase, Smith, Waddle to Pitts. And I think there's actually a really good chance not only one but two of them could be available i'm on the record or i'll go on the record now saying i do not think the eagles will draft a receiver at six i said that from the beginning i don't think they're the type of franchise that goes back to back receivers in first rounds they've consistently under howie rosen been a franchise that invests in the trenches over and over when no one thought they would they drafted andre dillard at 19 when no one thought they would the year before they drafted Derek barnett and that's a defensive end. The other was an offensive tackle. So I don't think there's, I'm on the record as saying, I do not think they will go in that direction. Now you look at the rest of the order before the Giants, you have the Jacksonville and the Jets. I think you're going to see quarterback, quarterback there. Then you have Houston, or I'm sorry, then you have Miami via Houston. Sorry about that. I think you're going to see um, Penny Seawall there. Then you have Atlanta, who I don't think has any chance of taking a receiver. Then you have Cincinnati, who I don't think has any chance of taking a receiver either. I think they're going offensive line. Then you have Philly, who we just talked about. You have Detroit, who might go receiver, depending on if they let Kenny Galladay go. Though today, Dan Campbell, in his introductory press conference as head coach, among other things, obviously people are talking about the weird things he said, but he also said, I feel like we have a lot more pieces on offense than defense. So I think they're going defense with that pick. You have Carolina, who's pretty loaded at wide receiver. Maybe they go that direction. I doubt it. Then you have Denver, who just took Judy. They're not doing it. Then you have Dallas, who just took Lamb. They're not doing it. So really, you have three teams in the top 10 who already just took a first-round receiver last year. Do you really think they're doubling up again? And then The, the teams that I would be worried about would be Miami and Detroit, mainly. Those would be the two that I would have to single out. Philadelphia is definitely a possible as well. I know it doesn't really go with what Howie Roseman do, uh, usually does, but... I think that you can't rule it out with the skill sets of some of these top wide receivers in the draft. Yeah, because these guys are such good prospects, I agree with you, you can't rule it out. But I think people might be surprised to see like the Giants have their choice of of potentially three of the four of these guys. I really think it's a good possibility that only one one of these, and I'm including Pitts in this, one of these four is drafted before 11. And I think it's going to surprise people but when you look at these teams three just drafted receivers in the first round i doubt they're doing it again i really do and you can really throw cincinnati in that too because they drafted t hickens with the first pick of the second round it just doesn't seem likely to me that's gonna and they desperately need o-line i think they're an absolute lock at five to go o-line knowing their process it doesn't even matter if seawall's there they're going to take their next highest rate in uh, offensive tackle i believe that gives me hope for sure and i think that's a really solid case I, I do feel like Chase and Smith are, might be too good to pass up. Yeah, but I get it. we'll see because there's going to be a lot of risers up the board. There's going to be some fallers as well. That's how this offseason process typically goes. And this 2021 offseason process is going to be even more different than the 2020 offseason process. So it should be incredibly interesting. Without a doubt. All right, one more question from Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott asked, Do you think either of Kevin Zeitler? or Nate Solder will ultimately become a salary cap casualty this offseason. Do you think Jeff Scott is related to Michael Scott? I hope for his sake, no. I don't know if that's a... Is it a compliment to be related to Michael Scott? Probably not, but I mean, you're somewhat famous at that point. You're probably not in love really, with paper. Though. You're only famous on a fake TV show. Like, well, yeah. Okay, in this world, we're assuming that The Office is real and Michael Scott is real, and so you're 
related to someone who was the head of a failing paper company because obviously it's 2021 now and a paper company had no shot of blasting Absolutely through the no pandemic. Shot. Yeah, they didn't even have a chance. Um, I don't think they were dead even before the pandemic. Probably unemployed, to be honest. Michael Scott. Michael you know. is, but yeah. well, I feel bad. Michael Scott unemployed seems like eh, I feel bad for the guy. But as far as Jeff goes, his long lost cousin. Jeff's probably a nice guy. He's, He's a probably Giants a nice fan. Guy, he listens yeah. to the podcast. Right, let's just dive into the question. <laughs> Do we think Kevin Zeitler and Nate Solder will ultimately become salary cap casualties this offseason? I think Kevin Zeitler has a legitimate shot, too, because the Giants have Will Hernandez in place. Now, I think with Nate Solder, it's a little bit different. I don't want Kevin Zeitler to be, but I think Nate Solder, because he opted out of the season, now that dead cap from 2020 rolls to 2021. I think it's just over $10 million in dead cap. I don't think they're going to move on. And I think the course of action for the Giants may be to go into this season with a camp battle between Nate Solder, who hasn't played in over a year, and Matt Parrott. I think that's what's going to happen. Those two are going to battle it out for that right tackle position. And if one of them struggles, you have that other one in reserve. I don't think it's a terrible option. You'd like to add somebody else to that equation, for sure, to upgrade that position. But... Is that going to be possible when you want to also add a wide receiver and you want to add a cornerback and a linebacker and an edge rusher? So that could be a, a path that the Giants take, just solder and pair for that right tackle position. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And thanks, Jeff. I would say this. The fact that only $2.5 million of Kevin Zeitler's $14.5 million cap hit in 2021 is dead cap, so they would literally clear $12.5 million cap space, makes me think twice. I, I think it will come down to how much they determine the end of season struggles from Zeitler and I want to put a quotation uh, two air quotes over struggles because struggles in relation to what he was able to put on tape through that first half of the season where he was by far and away the best player but did seem like he wore down a little bit if they do believe that that could be a trend at his current age and if they believe that Hernandez or Lemieux can slide over to guard maybe they consider it I am not a big fan of ever cutting proven offensive linemen. I think it's so hard to find offensive linemen. I think if you have Lemieux and Hernandez in there next year instead of Hernandez and Zeitler or even Lemieux and Zeitler, you're you're hurting an offensive line that really doesn't need to be hurt. It needs to be improved still, in my opinion. I am not like other Giants fans who seem to be ignoring right tackle. This position this offseason, or not ignoring it, just putting it on the back burner, to me, it is still on the forefront. I am not ruling out my—I would not rule out right tackle at 11. I will not rule out right tackle in the first round if they trade back, and I won't rule out right tackle in the top of round two either. I think tackle is an extremely important position for wins and losses, and the Giants, I am not sold with Parrott and Solder competing for that spot next season. Solder, you know, like Nick said, it's going to be harder to cut him. Now, the Giants— can lower that dead cap hit if they make him a post-June 1 cut, but that's not like some magic thing. When people say like, oh, you just make him the post-June 1 cut, actually that just adds more dead cap to the next, or I believe it's the next season where they'll have more dead cap. So really, do you want to keep that contract on your books for longer than it already has? We already expected it to be off the books this year by now, but the opt-out obviously changed that direction for the Giants. So I'm with Nick. I think there's a good chance Solder remains on the roster competing for that starting right tackle spot. Zeitler, even though he shouldn't be, I think probably has the better chance of being cut. Which sucks, because I think you and I are in agreement that yeah. Zeitler is a very good football player. He'll land on his feet. It's a cap thing, honestly. It's just a cap thing. Exactly. He'll land on his feet with a probably a playoff-bound team. You'll see him in the Super Bowl the next year, like we potentially might see <laughs> DeAndre Baker. I hope not. I really don't want to see freaking Baker playing any snaps this season. I'm going to be so mad if the Chiefs have some kind of injury in this secondary and Baker's playing well in the Super Bowl. Nothing is going to make me more mad. I can't stand it. 
It's a first-round pick. They traded two picks for him. Anyway, all right, that's all we have for on tonight's show. We are going to dive into more of these profiles as we move through the process. But for those of you who are fans of the show and you want to do us a favor and help us grow the show, please rate, review, subscribe, download on iTunes, and follow us on, in, on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. Actually, fucking haven't shouted that one out. And I feel bad because Sean Barletta is running that account and he's doing a hell of a job for us over there on Instagram. So follow us there, NYBigBlueBanter. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.